we oftentimes see athletes who compete at the highest level. They go through the college ranks, but they don't really utilize or value the education that they're getting. So today I'm bringing on a good friend of mine from the high school days who played Division I college football, and he's going to be talking to us about his sports journey and the educational piece as well. You don't want to miss this episode of The Game Time Guru. So, what time is it? Game Time Guru! If you're sick of the mainstream sports outlets, well, so was I. So I started my own show. I'm Shane Larson, and this is The Game Time Guru. It's different than other talk shows. I'm providing a panoramic view on sports so you can see them through a different lens. So buckle up and let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome out to the Game Time Guru Podcast. My name is Shane Larson, your host of the show. Coming at you again for yet another interview here uh, with a very special guest. It's a it's a longtime friend of mine from high school, so we'll get into that in just a second. We're going to be talking sports. We're talking football. We're talking education. We're going to get to know him, his whole story, and uh, basically just let him share his knowledge with us because not everybody has been able to go through the collegiate ranks and uh, utilize the education that they got and everything like that. So we're going to be uh, joined by him. But before we get there, just make sure that you hit the subscribe button on the podcast. Give me five stars. Also, remember the podcast is being brought to you by Audible. If you guys like audiobooks, go check it out. Audibletrial.com slash guru. Get yourself a 30-day free trial to Audible. Go check out some books, read, educate yourselves, and uh, continuously grow. So Guys, I've got to bring this man on to share his story. I've been wanting to kind of like, I've been keeping an eye on him from afar. I've been wanting to get him on for a long time. And then just recently we connected again over, uh, over Instagram. He made a comment on uh, one of my posts talking about the Kibby Dome or whatever you want to say. So we, we kind of bickered back and forth for a quick second. And then I was like, hey, let's, let's get you on the show. Made it happen. He was uh, quite the athlete all through high school, through college. And we're going to get to know him a little bit better today. His name's Derek Weeding. Derek, thanks so much for joining the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Great to be on. Absolutely, man. So before we were, before we were recording, we were just talking a little bit about uh, our high school experience, just playing ball together. So I played basketball with Derek, but he was really, really good at pretty much every sport. But he played basketball and football, and he was phenomenal. Now, Derek, I, I actually go even further than that. You may not even remember this, but see, back in the day, my freshman year in high school, I, I was at Eagle High, uh, and so were you. It was a different high school here in our valley. It's probably about 10 minutes away from the other high school that we ended up going to and graduating from. And my freshman year, I made the C team in basketball. In fact, <laughs> nobody from our, my middle school team in this whole area of Meridian actually made the A team. The only one who made the B team was Andy Larson, and then I remember yourself, but I didn't know you. Uh, and so then when we went to Meridian, uh, I was like, I know that guy because he was – at Eagle. I remember that guy. So it actually goes further back than the Meridian high school days. But so you were a basketball player and a football player, but tell us a little bit, Derek, when did you actually get into football? Because I don't, I don't know too much about your football background because I played basketball with you only. Yeah, that's funny. You say that because I didn't even remember that you were at Eagle high with me. (laughs) Um, So military background, my mom was 22 years in the army. We were stationed at Fort Irwin, which was the uh, national training base for the military before you deploy. Um, It's two hours into the desert in the middle of nowhere outside of um, L.A. Uh, It's an hour bus ride to school. It's where you don't want to go to high school. Um, So my mom said I had a cousin up in Idaho, and she's like, would you rather go live with him for high school? And I I went up there for the summer. I checked it out. I was like, oh, you know, it's kind of cool. So I was like, all right, well, you know, I'll go up there. And. So I went up to um, I went up to Meridian, but at that time, like you said, the districts were redrawn to so we at Eagle High. 
I had never played football in my life. Didn't like it, didn't watch it, didn't care about it. I was always, I was a big basketball fan um, growing up. Huge Carl Malone guy, Utah Jazz. Um, Jeff Hornacek, John Stockton, loved that team. Um, so we went from Eagle High, and then they redid the districts. And so we went over to Meridian. Didn't, didn't think about football, didn't care about football. And uh, all my buddies were like, hey, man, we only have, like, 15 guys come out for the football team. Like, you know, why don't you try out? And I'm like, I'm a basketball player, man. I'm a hooper. Like, I don't football. Like, that's, that's not for me. Uh, you know, not my jam. But like, come on, man. Just try it. It'll be fun. You hang out. So I started playing football my sophomore year of high school. Went out for wide receiver. Had my pads on backwards. Didn't know how to put my pads in my pants. Didn't know the plays. Uh, was just – it was bad news bears all the way around. Um, so sophomore year of high school was my first introduction to the sport, like in total, like even just understanding the game. Um, eventually I settled on defensive end, and then um, that was really where I got my start into the sport. So you, it's kind of interesting because you kind of took a, a, an opposite approach to football than I did. I had played my whole life growing up, and then when I went to Eagle High School, it's kind of when I decided – I was a no-go anymore, and I decided to focus only on basketball. I was – football was my main sport, and I wish – there if, if I have regrets, it would always be like, you know, I was a better football player and I was a basketball player. I was a tight end. I was – I thought yeah. I was pretty good, but um, I just stopped playing. But it's interesting because I remember that, like, I didn't – I remember making – like, because I grew up with a lot of your buddies uh, going through Meridian, Meridian Middle School and all those, those ranks and everything, and I remember them making jokes about you <laughs> at practice and just getting, getting – used to the football game yeah as an athlete this is this is what was interesting when you were you were in high school you're playing ball you're playing basketball and you're playing football and I remember how athletic you were especially that sophomore year I was like man this guy's just super super athletic but you got even stronger and it was like almost it seemed to me it was immediate but you were like putting work in in the gym for football and everything when did you really start hitting the weights and when did you start to see like that your, your future actually in football had some major potential. Yeah. So after that sophomore year, you know, I decided to move up to Idaho full time. Um, and you know, the football coach was like, Hey, we might have something here. And they got me in the weight room and, um, you know, I started developing really quickly and kind of grew into, you know, grew into my body as it is now. And that really, that summer started to change my perception of what was going to become me being a basketball player for life into football. Um, that work that I put in that summer going summer to junior year really transformed my body. And before I was just an athlete, like I was just, I was just born with a lot of gifts that I could just, you know, overpower people and just be a better athlete. Now I became stronger than everybody else. Now I tried to under, start to understand how my body worked. Um, and really the only reason why I was ever good at football one, being an athlete, I guess the other reason is the weight room. Um, putting in that work. Um, going from sophomore to junior year, I came out junior year, and despite not knowing football, still my junior year and still just figuring out, I was able to come out of the gate swinging. Uh, and I put a lot of credit, that, credit to that to the weight room program um, we had at Meridian. I tell kids all the time, man, just live in the gym. You're growing into your body. you still got time to develop. Like, utilize that time while you still have it. And I was thinking about it last night, you know, me going through the ranks of football in high school. And I'm like, it's interesting. My junior year, I only played, I think, four games. And then I got sidelined um, with actually an odd bacterial infection in my neck that almost required surgery. I was in the hospital for eight days. 
And that sidelined me up until the playoffs. So my whole entire football career, my junior year, really only spanned about five games. Um, but in those short windows, just putting in that work in the weight room and really transforming my body to understand that I could overpower and overcome people along with my athleticism really changed my perception on going from, you know, basketball to football. Just seeing that progression really naturally drive, drove towards being a football player. Totally. Now, keep in mind, everyone, like while Derek's talking about this, he's still playing basketball through his high school career, but he kind of made that shift where like football was kind of his focus. And I will tell you guys this, Derek, when you came in, it was junior year. It was a completely different body. And I mean that in a good way. Like you had, you were stacked all of a sudden, like, I was like, whoa, dude. And so sophomore year, I remember you would run off and, and jump off one foot to, to try and dunk it. Right. You all of a sudden could just stand under the hoop and jump two foot and dunk it. Now tell everybody how tall you are real quick. So that can actually have some context behind it. How tall are you, Derek? Six foot in your program, 5'11", when I'm standing in real life. Yeah, dude. I was 5'11 on a good day. Don't give your – no, I'm just kidding. Uh, he's, he's right about 5'11 and six foot area. But, like, I'm telling you guys, Derek has some power. And I remember him coming in and, like, you could totally tell you would put the, the work in in the weight room, jumping straight up, uh, like, under the hoop and just jumping up and being able to dunk. It was unbelievable, man. Like, it, at your height, just – it was just in, insane. And so – you put that work in. And I remember just like, as a fan, I remember just watching you guys play. You were so dominant on the line. I forgot about the junior season though, where you only played a handful of games, but I do remember that junior year in the playoffs, you had a pretty good game against Centennial, which is a local rival, which to this day, a lot of people have hard feelings about that game. It was, uh, <laughs> I think, do you remember how many yards you held their running back to up until the very last, like 10 seconds of the game or last minute of the game, I should say. I, I could have sworn it was like negative yards rushing, if I'm not mistaken. And I think that was Kellen Mentor. He was a great soccer player. The dude, I, I, if I can remember right, I think he was their running back. Um, that might be wrong. But, um, yeah, no, we had a great game, and then we lost it in the last end, and it was heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah, you guys actually, like, just absolutely shut them down. And uh, you were one time you were talking to our, one of our coaches um, who happened to be a football coach at that school but was actually coaching basketball and was a, it was a part of Meridian's facilities over there and, and their program. And so I remember we were at a study hall, and you were like, I held your, your quarterback and your running back, <laughs> this, da, da, da. And he goes, yeah, well, we got the W because it was actually a heartbreaking loss. I remember being there. But you guys came into your senior year with a lot of promise. Cause that, that junior year, you guys were kind of finding yourselves. You for one were, you know, you had put the work in the weight room, but then you had the, the issue with your neck, like you just mentioned coming into your senior year of high school. What were your thoughts? And did you like, how did you guys truly think you were going to do? Did you feel like you were going to win the state championship or did you like, did you truly believe that with the work you guys were putting in or what was your guys' mentality coming into that season? One of the things that I love about football and it's hard to echo in real life. You see it in the military, you see it in football, you see it in, you know, basketball, some other sports, but you're truly dependent in football on everybody else around. Not only those 11 guys on the field, but everybody on that sideline is pushed and dedicated to creating this one goal. Um, and that was that team that offseason. But there was never in our mind did we walk in there thinking, we're just going to win state. This is it. It was always a chip on our shoulder mentality. I mean, we beat ourselves up in the weight room. We you know, we were lifting weights, you know, twice a day, three times a day, I would go home. And then me and my other buddy, we would go down to gold's gym and get a lift in at night. It was a labor of love to get that season done. Cause 
we were all – when we were all at Eagle, when all those guys were at Eagle, they were all second string. Our quarterback played offensive line. Um, not to take a local jab, but uh, <laughs> um, it, it was – we didn't like anybody else, and we were dead set on proving everybody wrong, but that was built in the summer. That was truly just us getting in the weight room, getting in film. Um, and that's, that's one thing that I came to love about football. It's truly an organizational sport that takes everybody on the team from the cameraman to the trainer to your starting quarterback to your third string guy. It takes every single person. And so we never had that mentality that this was just going to be a layup. We went into every game thinking, like, this was it. Like, we, we live or we die in this sense. And as cheesy as that in high school, that's ultimately what brought us success, running with a chip on our shoulder instead of being highly touted and just thinking we were going to run away with it. I love it, man. You guys, for, for anyone listening to this as, as, a, as a friend and as a fan of that football team, you know, obviously I, I played sports in high school and I was close to the guys on the football team, but I didn't play. I still, like, was pretty involved as far as, like, a fan's concerned. Like, I, I, I know the work they were putting in in the weight room. I know the work they were putting in on the offseason. I knew a lot of the football players, like Derek himself. The work there, when I say they're putting in work, like, you didn't want to walk by the weight room when they were working like you really didn't like you almost felt uncomfortable and out of place if you were walking by the weight room when they're in the middle of their workouts it was just crazy the way that it, there was a mentality you guys had a switch uh there was there was some sort of swag about you guys your senior year in high school and that's why you guys were so good now senior year however you know you guys are you're, you're winning games teams are starting to notice the state's starting to notice everybody knows like okay meridians for real yep. come against this team eagle high school which <laughs> you know we went to Eagle our freshman year Eagle high school we go there and uh as a fan it was devastating but you know as a player I'm sure it was tough too it was one of those games was just weird I mean you guys in my opinion outplayed them um but a couple things didn't go your way a muff punt here or there whatever it may be and uh they ended up winning the game happened to be your only loss of the season talk to us about how you overcame loss when you guys were kind of riding high you kind of got a taste of like overcoming a loss and actually having to continue on moving forward. Luckily it wasn't in a state playoff game. So you still had games to play. How did you guys shift your mentality then? And how did that kind of set you up for the rest of your football career? Yeah. I mean, and that was probably, you know, a fault that we had at that point in the season, we got to the point where we knew we were good. Um, We knew we were probably the best team out there. And there was a lot of emotion. It's the crosstown rival. There was a lot of mutual friends from when we all used to go to school together. Um, And we probably, came into that game with more swagger than we came into any other game. And you know what? It, it ended up hurting us. Um, and still today, 11 and one, it'll, it'll never, it'll never leave my mindset uh, despite being a high school game, but it, it teaches you in life and how we overcome it is, you know what? It's, it's not the end, right? Like in life, in sports, whatever it is, you're going to fail. You're going to lose at some point. Um, you know, we're watching the Michael Jordan documentary right now. He lost. You know, people forget how long, how much work it took him to get to his six-peat or his three-peat and his another three-peat um, to get to that point. You're going to lose. Um, so taking that, and that was kind of the message, like, look, our goals aren't over. Our goals are still achievable. We can still get there. So despite the setback, we just took that as fuel to the fire, as we won't let this happen again. We're not going to come into a game thinking that we're going to win again. It's just not going to happen. And that was – it, it still sticks with me in life today. You, at some point you're going to fall down, but if you just let it roll and you know what, okay, I lost and that's it. You're going to lose forever. But if you take that and utilize it with a purpose, you can move forward in a better manner. Totally, and that was man. Really 
I, I, I love that. And I, I mean, you guys, I, you took that mentality, you took that complete mindset that you're just talking about right now, and you, you finished off your season pretty well. As we wrap up the talk about your high school career, obviously, you know, I've, I've kind of already referenced it. You guys won the state championship. Not everybody gets to experience a state championship in their career of any form. Like, not everyone gets that opportunity to get a ring. Talk to us a little bit about what you do remember about that. I know it's been a while, but uh, what you remember about the state championship leading up to it, once you guys actually made it, uh, the week leading up to it, the actual game itself, how you prepared for it, and just how that experience was for you and what you can pass on to your, you know, future generations. Yeah, I mean, really, I mean, it's, it starts in the preseason. And what comes to mind with that team and that, that coaching staff and that organization was work. I mean, that's, that's all we did is day in and day out is work. And that's all I remember is like, it wasn't fun. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't enjoyable. It was, it was work. Um, but it prepared me for the next level and understanding that you have to just continuously work. And football is just a grind. Um, that really is one thing that I remember from that season. It's, it's just work. And that's, that's what it comes down to. But you find a labor of love within that. Um, the other thing that I always remember about that season is the people. Um, you know, I always through life, I've tried to remember the organizations and the people that have got me to where I am today. And those are still people today I call my best friends. There's still people that I text with. There's still people that I chat with. And it sounds, again, it sounds cheesy. It's the whole Friday night lights thing. But when you find in football an organization and a team or even in work or the military, whatever it is, if you find people dedicated to that one cause so bad that you're willing to put in that much work that it disrupts a lot of other things in your life, you're going to remember those people for the rest of your life. Any of those guys on that team can call me today. I'd know their name. I'd remember the times that we had. Um, it truly is about the people within an organization um, that make football run and make any successful organization run. So, I mean, the work and the people are really the things that, just continuing that work ethic even up to the state championship um, was great. And then, you know what, we, we celebrated pretty hard <laughs> afterwards. But, you know, you, you got to climb the mountain to get there to celebrate, uh, but you got to work to get up at first. That was uh, one of the coolest experiences um, for me as a fan, is just kind of like seeing it like from, from the side, just kind of watching you guys progress through – you know, the, the years, it wasn't just like, I think it was, you know, you guys were leading up to that from your junior year, just like all the hard work and the, the, the whole foundation being set and built and everything. And obviously I think you'd be able to attest to this. There's in sports, it's not all fun and games. Like obviously you're out there to grind, but there's also drama that happens inside the organ, like the, 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 you know, the programs, if you will. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you got players, not everybody loves each other. Sometimes you're going to have drama between yeah. this person, that person, this and that and the third, right. That happens in sports, but you kind of have to overcome that. Um, cause it's, you have to, to work collectively as a unit. It's not all sunshine and rainbows and you guys prove that you guys work through that. And at the end of it, like you said, you partied hard. It's freaking awesome to just remember that now, just to also give some insight. I've known a lot of those guys, same people that came from that same program, Meridian high school and, and, you know, under the same coaching staff, even a couple of years after whatever people who played for smaller, smaller colleges afterwards who would say, and I'm sure you've heard the same exact thing that their workouts at those colleges, like the small ones small colleges like JUCOs and such were easier. It was like a cakewalk going <laughs> to those schools compared to what they were going through at Meridian High School when you guys were doing the program. So just so all the listeners understand, Meridian High School, where Derek was at, the reason Derek was able to just, you know, get to the next level in the weight room and everything is because they truly had – it, it was a boot camp 
for lack of better terms, for you guys. I mean, that's the reason you guys performed so well. There was truly a lot of work going on in the offseason, in the weight room, everywhere. If people at the next level are saying, oh, this is a cakewalk compared to high school, then that's saying something. However, you went to a university <laughs> that we probably wouldn't say that. And even if you, you know, it was the case, yeah. you wouldn't say that. So, Derek, you had uh, an amazing high school career. You came into your quote-unquote late bloomer into football and then just were natural at it, but you put the hard work in to take yourself to the next level. You get an opportunity to play at the University of Idaho, okay? And it seemed like to me, and I'm just going to be 100% real, that you were there forever, right? Because, <laughs> because after high school, I mean, everybody kind of went their separate ways. Everyone's doing their yeah. thing. I was a younger guy. I graduated when I was 17 years old in high school. So like I was a 17 year old freshman in college. Like I was young, but then I left on a church mission for two years, but that was like a year and a half later. I came home <laughs> and I swear you were still playing. So I was like, hold on. Is he still in school? I didn't know. So let's talk about your college career, kind of how it all went down and yeah. you know, making that transition to the college game. First question is your, your freshman season, like your freshman year at the university of Idaho, when you decide to go up there, what was the biggest transition going from the high school level of just, academics one and two athletics going to the collegiate level and trying to figure out the whole flow. What was the biggest transition? Um, understanding at division one at that level, everybody's you like everybody's the best where they came from. You know, it's funny because as I progressed and I did play for a long time, um, you sit back when the rookies come up and they come up with their high school rings on and they got their letterman's jackets and they got all these awards and you sit back and you're like everybody else in this room, was it as good, if not better, than you were, where you came from? Um, that's the hardest thing to really get over because it's an ego check. And, I mean, frankly, I'm someone I'm very confident in what I do and, and the work I put forward, but that was a big ego check, coming into a space where everybody was as good, if not better, than I was. Um, you know, my road through college was a little bit different. I, I showed up as a gray shirt, so I was a part-time student my first semester. And then I just went, I um, just worked out, you know, I worked out four days a week and um, couldn't do drills, couldn't practice with the team, but I just stayed in the weight room and did what was told and, you know, got ready for the next season. Um, and then the next season after that, I redshirted. And then my four years started ticking. Um, so really to your point, um, you know, I played football until I was 24 and change um, in college ball, um, which was crazy. My nickname was grandpa towards the end of the, end of the time. <laughs> Um, I was born in 1987. I was sitting in practice. I was one day, I was like, who's the youngest guy on this team? And somebody said they were born like 92 or 93. And I'm like, that's crazy. I was like, when I got to, when I got to college, you just got to start playing middle school ball or so like the math was like weird. Um, but the, you know, understanding that you are, you know, you're not as good as you think you are when you get to division one outside of a few, you know, special people. Um, the other thing is that, Football is mathematical. It is an extremely classroom sport. You have to understand it on a cerebral level. And some of the guys that I've played with, some of the guys that are in the NFL, some of the guys that have won Super Bowls that I know, you put them in front of a chalkboard, it's wild. It's like watching the beautiful mind, stuff that I wouldn't even still understand. And not only do they see that in the chalkboard, they see that in the game. So like, right, when you're a high school athlete and you're coming up and you're getting recruited, it's easy to just be an athlete. It's easy to overpower people. But when you get to Division One, you need to be able to be cerebral with the game. And that's where football really starts to change when you start to get into those high-level, high conversations. It's, it's a mind game um, beyond just being an athlete. I'm so glad you brought that up. I am so glad you brought that up because my whole 
point of this podcast for the last three years is to really like bring people like yourself on here and share stories to show people that like the, these athletes are not dumb jocks. They are actually super intelligent individuals. You're talking about the cerebral, you know, requirements to play and compete at a high level. It is so true. I would encourage anybody. I was just talking with Benny LeMay, who's just signed with the Cleveland Browns out of UNC Charlotte. He's, he's going to be joining them for their, their rookie mini camp. I was just talking to him two days ago. One of his biggest things was like, hey, like the verbiage, the verbiage in a, in a playbook, man. Like even go from high school to college, there's a little yeah. bit of a shift. From the college to the NFL, it's a little bit of a shift. I encourage anybody who's just a regular person, right? The regular person to listen to one of the plays that they call in a huddle and see if you understand one thing that's being said in there. Maybe you understand the, the cadence, maybe if they say on yeah. two, but if it's not, like if it's on a color or if it's on this or that, everybody has to be paying attention at all times. You have to study the playbook. Um, it's, an, it's insane what you guys have to go do, especially at the football level. Like at football, like that's where it's super, super complex. Um, now, you mentioned the gray shirt season. You mentioned the red shirt season. I've always been interested to bring this up with athletes who have done that. Um, like, because gray shirting at, at the D1 level, not a lot of people hear about gray shirts. I know it's really common around like Boise State. I mean, U of I, you, you got to do that. Gray shirting is pretty com common around these smaller schools. But like at the higher levels, you don't hear about a gray shirt yeah, very often, at least with the with top tier athletes. So some people that I've talked to they're, that are at like Ohio State, which is one of my favorite schools. And I talked to a lot of their uh, their their players and their fan base. And they say, I would never want a gray shirt. That's super hard on the mentality. Da, da, da. I'm just curious that whole did you like that whole gray shirt, like getting you used to the college life? Did you did you like it at the time or was it more of a mental game like uh, it's a means to an end? Like it's good for my development here like what was your thought process being gray shirted so i mean originally i had that conversation um and at that time like i was recruited by nick holt um and his staff and then erickson came in through that we were collecting a really big class scout.com had us one of the top rated classes in the western athletic conference as it was known now so we we're bringing a ton of jv guys in when erickson came in because he had a network around the country um there was a lot of good players coming out in front of me so I, you know, at first was I a little bummed when Erickson said, we're going to gray shirt. I said, yeah, but you know, he kind of talked to me and explained it. It's like, you know, you're going to get to grow on your body, you know, we'll help you understand some of the playbook and, you know, you can get information on the game and you can come in and you can get film on your own. And, you know, that really um, appealed to me to give me a chance to develop into my body and develop into the game. Cause it is such a jump. You know, there are guys that are ready from day one. Um, I probably wasn't one of those guys, but on the initial onset, when it was explained to me the reasons why, because it allowed me to not only get ready mentally, but also physically. Because, I mean, football, you know, it's a man's game. It, you know, it may not be the best way to say it, but it's a big man's sport, and your body has to be ready to take that. Um, so that allowed me, and once that was explained to me, it really made a lot more sense. Now, looking back on it, I think it's the best decision that ever happened to me in college. I look at, you put a young kid, who's has all the star power and he's coming out of his high school in his state and he's, you know, he's the person and all of a sudden he's 18 years old and you're expected to start to perform all these different things that come along with playing division one sports media, um, you know, making appearances, all these different things start to come into play, but you're, you're still a kid. Like, you know, you, you just came out of high school. You still go home and, you know, go to the movies with your friends. Um, and so, it allowed me to grow up a little bit and it allowed me to get into college and to maybe understand what I wanted to do long-term because if you don't gray shirt, say you're a true red shirt, which I'm really not a fan of, you're done by what? 20, 21. 
you know, depending on your age range, it was way more beneficial to me to walk out of college at 24, you know, tired of football, tired of everything else. But I had an idea of more so who I was and what I wanted to do. But the problem is you prop all these kids up at a super early age, and then you just let them out into the world after they've had the whole world propping them up for the last four years. It can be a little daunting. And if you don't have a great support system, it can be a little challenging. Um, so in retrospect, I tell parents all the time, gray shirting and red shirting, if you're not necessarily knowing that you're going to try to jump to the NFL at an early age, if you're looking at education and you're still looking at being the best football player you can, it's not a bad decision. Appreciate that response, man. That's awesome to, to educate everybody on that, that aspect. Now, you're, you're at U of I. You came out of high school as you know, a defensive, defensive lineman. You're just one of the best in the state. Didn't you get defensive player of the year, if I'm not mistaken? Yes. Yeah, you did. And I actually yeah, – okay, I remember that. You're just amazing, man. And so when you're at U of I, where did they, like, shift you around? Did you play defensive end? Did you play defensive tackle? Where did you play? And uh, how did you get yourself on the field? When did you actually first start getting to see some playing time? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, I came to U of I, and I talked a little bit about before how you come in and – it's an ego shock, right? Like you're not the man anymore. You're not, you're not the big person on campus. You're not the best football player. Um, so really, you know, being a gray shirt, it, it let me get in the work, you know, being a red shirt, they let me travel, which is a little unnormal. I got to travel to every single game. So I got to experience and get myself ready for that. Um, and then what would have been my red shirt freshman year? Um, I primarily played scout team. Um, but I was able to get on special teams and that's how I worked my way into the field. So getting on different special teams and helping out where I could. And mostly I put, you know, mostly I was playing with my hand in the dirt, playing defensive end. There was some talk about me getting the linebacker. Um, but, you know, ultimately I stuck there with the defensive end. It's what I knew. It's what I loved. So, you know, I got a little bit of playing time there. But, I mean, really I made my way into the team and on the field on special teams. And, again, that goes back to me just putting in the work, getting in the weight room, learning what I needed to do and doing what was asked, you know, and doing what was expected of the organization. Um, so, you know, I played a little bit at defensive end, um, didn't get as much time as I would have liked, but you know what, again, you find where you fit in the organization. Um, I had a really bad injury at Louisiana tech, the farthest place from Moscow, Idaho you can get rest in Louisiana. Um, I broke my leg that year and popped the ankle out. So I went from gray shirt to red shirt to breaking my leg in the fourth game of the season just a long road. Um, and it sucked. I was done for the rest of the year. Um, and I came back and I was never really the same. Um, again, I just couldn't plant off that leg. I didn't trust it, whether it was mental, physical, I don't know. Um, but then coach Aki, who was now the coach at that time came to me and said, Hey, you, we think we, you'd be a better fit at tight end fullback. Uh, we have a fullback set. We'd like you to play. And my initial reaction was like, man, like that sucks. Like I came here to be a defensive end. I came here to be the best, and that's not where my path's leading me. But I sat back and I thought about it that night and said, you know what, this is what the organization is asking. This is what the organization wants. Let me try to go be the best that I can at that. So, you know, I got in there. I was still playing a lot of special teams when I came back after that injury as a tight end. Um, but I got my own package on a short line goal stint. Um, you know, got, got a lot of action in a couple different games, Nebraska, Texas A&M, um, some really fun times. So, that's when I really got more of the playing time towards the back end of my career, but it was just a long road to start. But it was just putting in the work and just knowing, knowing that there was a plan and that I needed to do what was best for the team the whole way through. 
I really like that you said that too, man, because sports teach you so much for regular life. Sometimes you're going to be dealt with that hand where you got to try to fit in. Uh, you got to do what's best for the team. Literally today, I was on a call with Jerry Stackhouse, former NBA basketball player, had an 18-year career. He talked about that. There were times where he was the man, and then he actually ended up going to the Wizards, playing with Michael Jordan at the end of Jordan's career. Yeah. And he had to kind of find a role because he should have been – quote unquote, the man, because Jordan was at the tail end of his career. However, they were still trying to ultimately allow Jordan to, to kind of lead the team. And there was some tiff here, but he had to, he, he mentioned the same thing you just did. He had to try to find what, what the organi organization needed to, to help them win. That was the ultimate goal because it's a collective unit type thing in sports. And so you're talking about that. It's super important for us to understand that if you're in business, you're working at a corporate job, or if you're leading a team, you've got to understand that like, you might be super talented. You might have different aspirations and goals for yourself than what the team truly needs and so uh the best athletes the best players in my opinion the most productive are the ones who can actually adjust like you said you got to check your ego at the door sometimes and understand like how to how to fit in the right role now Derek you're uh you mentioned a couple big schools there I took notes here as you were saying I was writing them down you got to play some pretty pretty big schools now that's the one thing I always like you know everyone talks about like the the U of I's always get smashed by the big schools whatever but I'm like hey at least they get to play those big schools I they get some cool opportunities what was the coolest stadium you uh ever went to in your opinion outside of the Kibbe Dome up in Moscow which is seats like 5,000 people just kidding well, first uh, of all, I, I will plug the Kibbe Dome it's the best place to play football in America it's 70 degrees and sunny every single day of the year so it's great love it um, that is my home till the day I die. <laughs> Bury me underneath. I, I love, I love the, I love the passion and loyalty you have for it. Like, I'm not going to hate on it too much. I'm not, I, it's, it's awesome. I mean, yeah. if you're, if you like, there's high school football games, I think that have more people that come into the Kibbe than, than come into the Kibbe Dome. But dude, I, I really love that. Like U of I, typically people like Derek who go to U of I have a lot of loyalty and uh, pride for their school. And I, and I respect the heck out of that. But like, who was the best, like you mentioned Nebraska, Texas A&M, like, who was the best – like, what was the best stadium you went to? And, like, what was the – did you notice any, like, difference in skill level and speed when you guys were playing them? Yeah. I mean, first I'll say is this. Like, you know, you always see the small teams go up against the big teams at the beginning of the year, and there's a out. And, you know, in my mind, look at, look at Appalachian State, right? Like, you know, they climb through the ranks by beating that system. No athlete, especially at that level, walks into any game ever thinking you're going to lose. It's, if you, you're not playing at that level with that mentality. I, there's not a game that we walked into where we didn't step on the field prepared to win. Now things happen. Um, you know, you have, you have differences and different things and um, it's tough, but I, I, I don't, I don't hate the system, you know, give it a chance, let it play out. You know, anything can happen on game day. Um, when I look back at like the stadiums that we played in, it's hard to necessarily put a finger on what was the coolest. If I would say Texas A&M, Having the 12th man, they're interactive, they sing, there's chants. The stadium really feels like it's moving, like it has a vibe. Um, Nebraska, some of the nicest fans I ever met. Nate Enderley was our quarterback. They give him a standing ovation on his way out um, to the field for the first time. Great people, love that stadium, would love to go back as a fan someday. Um, Washington State, um, or not Washington State, sorry, uh, Well, which is also great. Love playing Wazoo. It's cold out there. Um, University of Washington, loud, absolutely just loud stadium. The way it's built, the noise in there, you can actually see and film the camera shakes because where the um, where the press box sits, um, it sits up in the top rafters. And when they get loud, that whole stadium vibrates. Um, 
as much as I will hate to admit this, I always loved the Boise State games. I think when they came up to the Kibbe Dome, um, I want to say that would have been 2007 or 8. Um, the atmosphere at the beginning of that game is electric. Um, it was just – it was mean. It was fun. It was vibrant. Everybody was alive. It was packed. It was rowdy. Um, that game should absolutely be played. Um, I can go into a myriad of reasons that we won't on this call, but um, that's the in-state rivalry then. Bring it back. It's, it's a good point for the economy. It's a good point for people. It's a good point for just the two universities and the people in the state of Idaho to get together and watch some football. Man, this is so cool hearing it from your perspective, man. This is why I told you I wanted to bring you on the show because you can, you can share these stories. You just mentioned Nebraska. I actually had the opportunity to go to Nebraska this year, watching Ohio State take on Nebraska. I second that. That was one of the coolest fan bases I have ever been a part of. Like, even as an opposing fan, I'm a Buckeyes fan, but as an opposing fan, I was like, these are the nicest, most loyal fans I've literally ever seen. They're down 48 to 7, fourth quarter's about to start, and they're all up singing their song, and they do the red out because it was a night game. So they like shut the lights off and everybody holds their phones up and they're screaming and doing their thing. I'm like, Hey man, you got to give them credit. I, I love fan bases like that. Um, and it's cool that you got to experience the culture because I'll be honest, man, I'm a Boise state alumni. <laughs> I go to a lot of Boise state games, but I'm the first one to tell you, like, it's not that like anybody who wants to say that we're what, that we've arrived as Boise state people. No, we haven't. We're not even close to a, arriving anywhere. We're not close to the cultural stance you see at those schools, like the UWs, the Texas A&Ms, the Nebraska's, the people you just mentioned, we're not there yet. And, uh, and that's just the reality of it. So um, I, I love the culture and sports. It's cool that you got to experience that as a fan. Now, Derek, you're, you're, in, you're in college. And the one thing I wanted to touch base on here today, it's super important that we all he hear this, is you have the athletic side of it, obviously. You have the academic side of it. When did you realize like education was going to be super important? Was this during your, your gray shirt season that you said you kind of started figuring out what you wanted to do? When did you realize that you needed to take advantage of this education? Because as for everybody, like, just so you know, University of Idaho has a pretty dang good education system up there. Okay. Like, let's just be honest. So when did you realize like, Hey, I've got this opportunity. I'm coming to school here. Like I need to take advantage of it. When did you, when did that click for you? Yeah. You know, I, um, I kind of waited in the water my gray shirt year. I didn't quite know. Um, I always, I never thought that I was going to the NFL, right? Like I dreamed that I was going to the NBA. That certainly happened back in my hooping days. Uh, but the NFL never really like appealed to me that much in, in an odd sense. So if it, in my mind, I was like, you know what, if it happens, it happens. Um, you know, I'll give it a shot. But um, really kind of early in my career, my mom and we, we talked and she's like, look, you know, football's not going to be there for you for 40 years. You know, what, you know, what are you going to do? You know, how do you want to live life? You know, at some point, cause football is going to be done with you. And that's one of the hardest things to tell young athletes. You can always play basketball. You can always play golf. You're not going to play football. One day the sports is going to toss you aside and that's it. You're never going to get it back ever. Um, which is really daunting. Um, even for me, knowing probably around my red shirt to freshman year that football wasn't going to carry me through life. Um, it's, it's a hard thing to come to relate with when it comes to ball, ball, football. I mean, I still play basketball to this day, probably two, three times a week. I go shoot around, but, um, football is just a dead stop. So it was early in my college career. I really realized that education was going to take me where I wanted to go, but I still always wanted to be in sports. So I got into journalism. Um, you know, I wish I look up to you. I wish I, I wish I could do something like you, but, uh, I always think 
one of the things that's missed in sports and 30 for 30 has really touched on this. And I've listened to some of your podcasts and touched on it. Athletes are people. There's a whole interesting dynamic that exists beyond the court. Um, so I got my degree in journalism and I wanted to go into um, long form magazine writing. Um, that was like my dream. I wanted to go work for ESPN, the magazine. Um, but you know, my college career continued on for six years and I ended up picking a second degree in public relations. And I, I kind of liked advertising and I knew I kind of wanted to get the media somehow. Um, so I picked up two degrees um, while I was there in media. But at that time when we were coming out, it was the end of the recession. Media still didn't know where it was going. Newspapers were dying. Magazines were dying. Um, and I ended up getting hooked up at the career fair with, uh, with a wine company. Um, and so really that led my transition into the corporate world. But I'd say it was, it was pretty early on when I realized that this wasn't going to carry me through life. And I try to tell people all the time, whether you're destined for the NFL whether you're destined to be a backup player your entire life, a Division One or Division Three, football is going to be done with you someday. You know, how are you prepared for that afterwards? Because it's going to happen. I don't, I don't care how good you are. At some point, even if you're a Hall of Famer in the NFL, you got to figure out what you're going to do after that life, you know, ends. I think that's a super important point to bring up because we, we as consumers of media only see the, the spotlighted people, right? So, like, talking about like NFL guys who are now broadcasters or now doing this and this and this guys, that's a very, very small percentage of the athletes, even the NFL guys that get to the NFL. Most of them don't even make their second contract if you're paying close attention. So it's super important to take advantage of the education and the things that you're learning, the critical skills that you're getting in college so that you can take that when this, when the sport is over, especially football. Cause like Derek, you made a great point. Like you can play other sports, Football, however, you're not going to be playing football for much longer when the sports, sport ends. You'll get some rec leagues here and there, but most guys that play at the higher level don't even want to touch those because they're <laughs> going to end up with injuries anyways. Yeah. So it's done. When it's done, it's done. And so you've got to fall back on something. Now tell me, what would be one of the biggest things you learned that you think that was the most important thing you learned in college outside of football? Like what was the biggest thing you learned in your education setting uh, that you actually u- utilize to this day? Uh, it, it's your network, it's your resources. And that's, I, I tell people, I encourage people, you know, if you're a great football player coming out of high school, yeah, you know, pick the best school you can, but also find your best network. I got my first job out of my career because somebody that I knew from the university. I got my second job in my career from somebody that I knew from the university. That was one of the biggest things I learned was making friends across broad audiences and being in a university where people were going on to own businesses and people were going on to work at Fortune 500 companies. Um, creating that network was probably one of the best things I learned, whether it was through you know, partying, studying at the library, whatever it has you. Um, college will really teach you that there's a network around you to be had, and how do you utilize that, and how do you benefit people, and how do you get them to benefit you? Uh, and that's a, great, that's a great point of college. You're around all these really smart, intellectual people. You gotta take that and utilize that. I tell people, enjoy football, enjoy Division one sports, it's so much fun. It, I had a blast. But you have to remember, too, that you're, be given, you're given a key that costs most people $40,000, $60,000. I know people that are in debt up to their eyeballs. Like, you can't let that go because truly that is exponentially invaluable investment in not only yourself, but you and your family down the road. Awesome, man. Super, super cool. Like, 
I, I, um, I'm not one of those guys that says like school was pointless. I got my degree. I didn't like school. I wasn't good at it, but I got my degree. I went there and, and I'll be honest, like some of the educational side of things is outdated already. And I just graduated from college. I was late and I graduated three years ago. So like some of that stuff, like is it's outdated, but like you said, the networking, when I was there, especially my last year and a half of college, I was older, you know, I was 27, 28 when I got my, my degree finally, cause I had just been working through everything. Um, I was asking questions. I, that's when it clicked in my head. Like, let me ask questions. Let me build relationships with this professor who has connections over here. And this professor who has connections over here. And to this day, three years later, I still connect with those people. I connect with my mentor. His name's Bob Beeler. He's the one who actually encouraged me to start this podcast three years ago. Uh, he's the voice of the Boise state Broncos does their, their play-by-play -play announcing. Like it's because of those people that I was able to start this and start getting connections there, which has obviously grown since then. So I'm right there with you. And I'm really appreciative that you said that, like you had an opportunity and you took advantage of it. Some people I've seen them, some athletes, they go and they take their scholarship and they just, they, they kind of just run with it, hoping that something will happen in the future in the sport. And then they don't have their true idea. Like they don't know what to do because sports define them. I love how you also mentioned athletes are people. That's kind of what we want to show, right? Athletes are people. Don't let the sport define you. Let it be a vehicle for you. Obviously, you can do that. If that's what you've been skilled to do. Like that's your skill set, but don't let it define you. The, like, try to find your skill set and your your talents elsewhere. Now, to wrap it up, Derek, I just want to know because you're you're running a successful career right now. You're doing great. Um, I'd like to know, like, if you're talking to a young athlete right now, anybody who's listening to this. I mean, I've got a lot of youth football players from from California who are on the number one youth football team in the country that listen to the show. And and I want to know, like, they're they're getting into the high school ranks now. What would you tell them as far as like the skill sets that you acquire in sports that you can translate directly into your your business life? What was the biggest one or two that you could take from your entire experience from high school all the way through college till now? Um, you know, listen, listen to your listen to your coaches, listen to your parents, you know, listen to your network um, and figure out what is needed of you to create success. Do you need to be the quarterback? Do you need to be the backup quarterback? Do you need to be the wide receiver? You know, do you need to be the slot guy? Do you need to be starting? Do you need to be on the bench? Um, you know, there's different anomalies within that. But if you talk to a wide network of people, you're going to kind of get a general sense of where you need to be and what you need to do within the organization. Um, and I've carried that, you know, through my life. It's one of the things that I learned playing at University of Idaho. I, I was no longer the starter. I was no longer the player of the year. But consistently for six years, I showed up in the offseason and did the work. I showed up in the classroom, did what was asked of me. I showed up at weights, did what was told. Um, you know, I showed up at practice. I wasn't late. I, was, you know, I wasn't causing a disruption because ultimately at the end of the day, my goal was to win, you know, a bowl game. My goal was to be for University of Idaho to be the best team that we could. And how do you find your way within that organization? You're not always going to be the star. And you, sometimes you are going to be the star but you need to find your way through that organization and how you can best be successful. Today, I don't, I don't own a business. I'm not um, you know, the number one person in my company, but I try to find where can I help this entire organization be successful as possible and where do I fit into that and how can I be the best at what I'm being asked to be? Because ultimately, you're gonna lose that in football. And most people don't have that in life, not coming from team sports understanding that you're part of a greater good. But if you walk into the real world willing to do what's needed to make your organization successful, whether you're a baker down the street or you're part of 
a multi-billion dollar international company. If you find how to be the best person within that organization of what you're doing, you're going to succeed. It's when you start thinking that you're bigger than the organization, you're going to fail. Man, those are powerful words, man. I appreciate you joining us again. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Derek Weeding, a former teammate of mine on the basketball court. Obviously, he's shared his whole story. He's much more than just my teammate. He's got a story. Hopefully, you guys took notes. Again, Derek, thank you so much for allowing me to speak with you here on my platform. Yeah, thanks, Shane. And honestly, like what you're doing, great. Like you said, athletes are people too. Uh, you know, I really look up to you and looking out, looking at athletes from behind closed doors and, and what are they really like off the court? Because there's a world and wealth of knowledge in there. So, Thank you for bringing that to light, man. That's awesome. Absolutely, man. And you guys know the drill. Make sure you're subscribed to the show. Give us five stars and share this with your friends and family. We'll talk to you guys next week. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.